Bitcoin seems to surprise a lot of people. It moves very quickly and it does go up very quickly too. In the past, we've seen 20x in nine months. And I think with this new source of demand, you can easily 20x in weeks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Swan Signal Live. I'm your host, Sam Callahan. I'm the senior analyst at swan.com, Bitcoin financial services company. Before we get started with this episode, I want to bring up one of our sponsors, uh, Marathon Digital Holdings. Swan Signal Live is powered by that miner. It is the largest and most technologically advanced public miner in the world. Uh, Marathon's primary mission is to enhance the Bitcoin network by sustainably increasing the amount of hash rate that helps Bitcoin become the world's most decentralized and secure monetary network. So check out Marathon Digital Holdings. Uh, The ticker is MARA. Um, Also, PacificBitcoin.com. That is the festival that Swan puts on every year in beautiful Santa Monica. Right now, you can grab tickets. Um, If you use the promo code SIGNAL, you can get Uh, 10% off. And if you pay with Bitcoin, you get an additional 21% off. That's 31% off. If you use those promos and pay with Bitcoin, go to pacificbitcoin.com to learn more about it. So today uh, we have two special guests on the show. We're going to be talking about nation state adoption uh, for Bitcoin around the world. And I can't think of any better guests to do that than Andre Losha, who is the founder of the Free Madeira Initiative, as well as Samson Mao, the CEO of Jan3. So welcome to Swan Signal Live to both of you. Uh, pleasure to talk with you today. Good to be on, Sam. Thank you, Sam. Good to be here. Yeah, so um, there's a lot to talk about in terms of the nation state level. Like, obviously, um, Andre, you have Bitcoin Atlantis coming around the corner, which is the conference in Madeira. Madeira. There's a lot of great speakers coming there. I'm going to be there. I'm so excited for it. Um, and then, and then, Samson, you're always around the globe talking to uh, legislative bodies, politicians about Bitcoin adoption. Um, so let's start with Madeira because a couple of years ago, um, the Madeira president uh, Albuquerque was at the Bitcoin conference. He he met with Sailor. He talked about how Madeira was going to be embracing Bitcoin and that um, I think the quote was, everything that is connected with Bitcoin is welcome in Madeira. Um, The president was in the headlines recently for for all the wrong reasons. uh, But at the same time, that's not Bitcoin. Uh, That's just politics. But let's let's get your guys thoughts on that. Maybe uh, give the listeners a little background, um, whether that's Andre or Samson. Want to explain that? um, What's going on there? So who wants to be the bearer of bad news, Andre? You? <laughs> I, I can go. I can go for it. So, yeah, the president was amazing for the last two years, uh, supporting the the, the initiative. Um, as you were saying uh, correctly, Samson brought him on stage in, in Bitcoin Miami 2022 when he announced to the world that uh, Madeira was embracing Bitcoin. And so he did. And he, and he supported our initiative, the Free Madeira Project, uh, since the beginning um and and yeah and it, it was good we we started the free matter project in, in october officially in october 2022 after that uh, that crazy week in miami and um and he went to to amsterdam after that as well you know to to announce the the, the conference and what free matter was doing and yeah unfortunately like last week it was bad news um he was involved in a in a you know, I, I know as much as, as anyone else from the, from the public news, um, but he had to step down because of some uh, investigations going on with, the, you know, favors with the mayor and some businessmen in, in Madara for some contractor issues and developments. 
and he had to step down. And now it's a big mess. Of course, they are, you know, evaluating what to do if they are if, if they're going to elections again, if they are going to get a replacement in the government. It's just going on. There's a, it's a big mess politically because it's he also had a parliamentary majority with one of the smaller parties, and now it's you know political discussions as as it is. Mm -hmm. um, it's unfortunate, of course, and we're one month away from our Bitcoin Atlantis conference. And now we, do, we don't really know how the present participation is going to be. Um, although on our part, everything's good. We still have the tourism board helping us with a lot of stuff. Um, and they're being very, very welcome us, welcoming you know, his, his team, uh, the government team, on, on the different sectors that we're dealing with. Uh, it's still helping the conference and being amazing, actually. So it's all good. Uh, Unfortunately, personally for him, it's not looking well. Yeah, thanks for that recap, uh, Samson. Any any thoughts uh, or response, uh, you know, to what Andre was just talking about? Yeah, well, it was a surprise, I think, for all of us, and um, it's unfortunate because uh, President Albuquerque was a big supporter of Bitcoin adoption and, and pushing for that, and um, you know, traveling to Bitcoin conferences and talking about Bitcoin. So it's uh, quite sad, and I think this could be a politically motivated attack. I'm not sure, and I don't know if we'll ever know, but. It was done in a very elaborate way with a lot of fanfare to kind of make a big deal of it when this mm -hmm. investigation has been ongoing from 2012, as Andre was telling us earlier. So it could be uh, politically motivated because of the elections coming up. And if you really, really want to go down the rabbit hole, it could be politically motivated because he's a European politician, head of state, head of autonomous region pushing for Bitcoin adoption. And this is right before Atlantis conference. But as Andre said, I don't think this will affect anything to do with the conference. It might affect our ability to move forward more on nation state adoption, maybe some more recognition of Bitcoin, and that might set it back. But I think overall, it if this movement, the free Madeira movement, the Bitcoin adoption movement in Madeira is going to succeed, it cannot depend on just the president like moving it forward. And as Andre is saying, you have the tourism, the Ministry of Tourism pushing it as well. So it's kind of showing, it will show the resilience of the entire movement without the president's backing. Maybe the, the next president will back it or not, but it has to have its own legs. Yeah, yeah and let me, let me add to that. Um, uh, we were very, you know, clear since the beginning, uh, also even with the president, like it was not uh, um, it was never planned to be a, a political uh, organization. We are an independent movement. Uh, he supported us as he supports other projects in Madeira because he had the, the goal, which is a very good goal in my in my view, to to make the, the, the Madeira economy more resilient and not um, as dependent on tourism as it's historically been. Um, you know, he was pushing a lot for new tech developments all over the island inviting you know sea related uh, technology startups to for a cluster in in in, in one area of madeira uh, it was investing a lot in um, in the startup madeira project that one is from the government to attract you know startups tech related not not related to to bitcoin at all um and even health related startups as well so he basically wanted to put madeira on the forefront of technology technological development and and basically compete with the rest of the world you know now that madeira is not you know historically with it was harder in an island in the sea far away from everything but now in a global digital world he was you know trying to approach and, and make a difference there um and he, he saw bitcoin as one 
other branch of that technological development, basically. So we wanted to support that, mm. uh, which we welcomed, of course, and we do welcome the, the most support that we can. But in the end, we are independent from any political parties whatsoever. So, yeah, yeah. can I can can I actually uh, you know tug on that a little bit because. You know, it is interesting what Samson was just saying specific, and thinking about, you know, how the EU is kind of thinking about launching a digital euro soon. And you have this one, uh, you know, semi-autonomous region that's kind of pushing towards Bitcoin. Um, if there was any kind of nefarious intention there to kind of come down on the president now. Uh, but can, maybe if the listeners aren't familiar with Madeira, what does even like a semi-autonomous region mean? Like, can we just talk a little bit about Madeira itself and and why sure. they're able to kind of do things a little bit like more independently sure um so madara has a special status um the, the archipelago of madara that is composed basically by two islands the bigger island madara and the smaller one percent um and there's another archipelago called azores uh, more to the northern part of of the atlantic ocean that it's also a semi-autonomous region uh, so basically, they are on, on a special status. Um, we have our own president, our own parliament, um, uh, but we are not fully independent. So there's a, there's a whole of uh, a whole set of laws that uh, regulates that um, that connection, um, and we have some powers in one in some stuff, and and um, others are decided centrally, and just we just have some leeway. For example, I can give some examples. For example, we cannot create a new tax. You know, uh, but we have a difference that we can apply on taxes, apply on taxes for business and business and individuals in Madeira. Hmm. Uh, defense, for example, is a national matter, nationality. Uh, but then there are other factors like education and, uh, you know, all other things that branches that the government has that we have more flexibility to create our own adaptations or our, even our own laws. Yes. Is it still, um, I think I read somewhere that the business tax is just 5% there. Is that still true? And then that is, that is on the international business center. So there's a, there's gotcha. a small subset of, uh, companies that you have to, of course, respect other factors, investment, job creation, and so on, um, that you can apply and incorporate in Madara for a, a tax reduced, um, corporate mm. tax basically. And then, uh, but if, that's not the the the, the regular uh, all all island companies don't uh, integrate on the international business center. Um, but even the even the um, how do I put it in English the the local companies we have a, a corporate tax rate that is thirty uh, percent less than the mainland of Portugal. Gotcha. And then is there still like if you hold Bitcoin for a year? There's zero tax afterwards. Is, is that still the case? I heard yes. like rumblings. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yes. So Portugal was, well, it was tax free for years because there was no law basically on, on mm -hmm. over all, all of crypto. Um, but they did introduce a law. I think it was in the beginning of last year. Um, that wasn't bad at all. Uh, they regulated some some things, but they they did um, they did put the one year holding uh, in place. So if you if you do keep it for one year, there's no taxes. Well, that certainly is going to attract some Bitcoiners, I think, to the region. I, uh, you know, Samson, like this is maybe a risk that happens when you're trying to educate uh, governments on Bitcoin, where you know the leader can be supportive and then do something else. Um, so how much of your efforts when you're talking to, you know, these politicians is kind of educating 
the entire as money as much people as possible so like andre you said the tourism board's still on your side and things like that so samson when you go into these governments are you just trying to like orange pill as much people as possible instead of just focusing on say like a president or, or like the most leader uh the people in the highest leadership positions yeah i would say we're, we are definitely trying to orange fill as many people as possible but more than that it's about creating initiatives that can align incentives with bitcoin so for example, it's the, the business center in Madeira and maybe tourism. We have to get them doing something and then it can survive the absence of the president. Um, in Suriname, we've been in, in discussions with the central bank, a number of state owned companies, power companies, and we're trying to get them on board to do something with Bitcoin in terms of mining and even local villages that have some degree of autonomy as well. So it's really about getting as many of these kind of facets lined up in the direction of Bitcoin as possible so that we can survive you know, these kind of um, setbacks where the president is no longer capable. And I think this also applies to El Salvador. So what we're trying to do at Jan3 is to you know, get Bitcoin adoption at nation state level. But that means it has to really take root. It can't just be you know, President Bukele or President Albuquerque saying, rah, 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 let's go Bitcoin, right? It has to succeed in the absence of some central leadership figure. I mean, it's all about being decentralized in the end, right? So mm -hmm. I think it's a test. And the test for El Salvador is what happens after President Bukele's second term is up. Will it take root or will it regress? But this has always been a factor that we've been thinking about at Jan3. Like, how will this Bitcoin adoption initiative survive the test of time? And Fortunately, we get to see it have play out in Madeira sooner than later, and we can see if it progresses. But this is why I've always said we need both bottom up and top down, because top down, it can be removed. Bottom up, it's grassroots. It's more resilient, and it keeps the, the top down aspect in check, and it balances things out. So, yeah, we're, get, we're basically getting to see this thesis play out in real time in Madeira. Yeah, uh, that makes a lot of sense in terms of the bottoms up adoption being more resilient. And let's let's talk about the Free Madeira initiative because it's going to be like initiatives like what Andre started that is potentially going to drive Bitcoin adoption for for decades and decades. So Andre, tell us about Free Madeira. And I'm glad that you put the decades and decades on in the, <laughs> in the in the 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 end of your sentence because uh, when I talk about the Free Madeira project, I always try to to, to make people understand that this is a long term project. And um, Samson was mentioning, and I agree, um, you cannot rely on one person, on one author for, for the Bitcoin adoption. This is basically trying to orange build as many people as we can. And the Free Madeira project, the, the non-profit that is driving all of this, it's basically for that, with that goal in mind. So, and on, on we have many different plans, you know, Bitcoin touches everything. But it, it starts with education, merchant adoption, the, the, the Bitcoin uh, business hub where the, the, the developments and the programs can work and the meetups. And so it's it's and the energy talks with the, with the public power company and our private stakeholders uh, around the island. Uh, basically for that, to try to onboard as many people as we can, to try to educate as many people as you can and, and pass on, on the message and, uh, and, you know, trying to make the local people, companies, government officials, you know, understand how this technology can help uh, an island like ours. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's like the rest of the world. The adoption is still quite low. The understanding is even lower. 
um and the 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 pushing the the overall pushing is to increase the community and, and make it larger and larger and larger and on that we're succeeding a lot we're bringing a lot of people here um the meetups have been quite successful the merchant has been crazy good so but it but it takes time of course and and the conference is uh, also a great way to to let's say fasten up that uh, that approach and that uh, a great opportunity to to in, to uh, to create the buzz around it so people get curious and and uh, approach and 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 understand faster i guess acceleration yes. bitcoin acceleration right yeah um before we get into bitcoin atlantis like i definitely want to touch on that a ton but you know samson like a lot of the nation state adoption that i've seen at least is um is kind of around bitcoin mining you know like in oman and bhutan do you see more interest around bitcoin the asset or you know bitcoin's use in like the the energy infrastructure when you're speaking to these governments or is it just like a combination of both um would love you for you to expand on that right i would say it's a combination of both so mining is a very powerful thing because it lets them monetize energy and a lot of the poorer countries developing countries the countries in the global south have a lot of excess energy. They just can't tap into it. And historically, they are poor because they have no way to monetize that. Bitcoin gives them that opportunity to monetize those reserves. And they have a pressing need for that money to build basic infrastructure. So it's a really simple way for us to go in and say, well, you have hydropower. Let's figure out how you can tap into that. Or you have you know, methane, flare gas, blah, blah, blah. These are all things that they can reach very soon and see an economic impact of accessing that energy and money at this time. So I think for us, it's a, a really simple way to start that conversation because we can talk about monetary theory and the benefits of deregulation of money and legal tender and all that, but that's far harder than saying, let's uh, you know, cap off this flare and mine some Bitcoin and you can mm -hmm. build a hospital. It's just a, a simpler conversation to have. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of these, uh countries have the same issues when it comes to stranded energy and, and just trying to make their grid more resilient. So it makes a lot of sense. And it's kind of exciting for them to actually be, you know, hashing, not just like buying the asset and putting it on its balance sheet. Both are good, but to actually be, you know, decentralizing the hash rate at the same time, that's that's exciting. Yeah. Um, so Andre, let's talk a little bit about Bitcoin Atlantis because I'm I'm pumped. I'm, I'm going to be going there in like four weeks. I'm super excited. Samson, I think you're going to be there too, right? Yeah, everyone's um, going still. I don't think anything <laughs> changed. So no, right? going. I know. Um, no, nothing changed in that regard. So tell a little uh, people about it if they're not familiar. I mean, the the, the speaking list that you've uh, gathered is is impressive. I mean, I besides you know I have to say Pacific Bitcoin, I get excited about, but this is the other. Um, you know, conference that I've had circled on the calendar for for a long time now. So this tell is us your a sister about conference. It. There's a Pacific and an Atlantic. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Uh, <laughs> it was, you, someone must do the Indic Ocean now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but um, we're we're excited, and I'm very you know I'm very very my my idea from start was to do a smaller thing basically. Uh, I just wanted to bring the advisory board um, over for you know to continue the conversations with the, with the, the, the government, the private stakeholders, you know, you know, do do a smaller thing. But because I'm very fortunate to have this amazing advisory board, Samson included, and other people like Jeff Booth and 
Greg Foss and you know Larry Leopard and Troy Cross and and, and Gigi and Max Illibrand and you know so many others, Knuts van Holm, Daniel Prince, you name it. Um, because of this amazing advisory board, suddenly stuff got out of hand. So let's put it that way. <laughs> and we we started having confirmations of some you know high profile Bitcoiners, um, you know Jack Dorsey, Michael Saylor, Jack Wallers, and the Swords. And so I'm not the guy to stand still. And I decided, well, I'm fortunate enough to have all this, all these people, you know, uh, agreeing to come to Madeira in the middle of the Atlantic. So let's do something properly well, you know, and then let's do a big conference. Let's make a difference. And, uh, you know, from day one, put uh, Madeira in the, in the map of Bitcoin conferences worldwide, basically. So... Yeah, we started planning for it, um, and we ended up with this uh, amazing all week um, of activities because it's not only the main venue, main uh, the main uh, conference place. It's going to be a lot of satellite events, and we, we can go over some of them. Um, we decided to do it in a stadium as well. Like the venue is amazing. Cool. Uh, very fortunate to have it. Um, we're gonna, and we have the best best people around helping us. Um, we we can we can speak in more detail, but uh, on the main stage, for example, we decided to do really deep conversations and and not go. Um, how shall I put it? So have real real high end value conversations on stuff. It's gonna be long panels and long keynotes about how Bitcoin and all the touches can help an island like ours. Uh, we have specific curators for for the blogs. Um, Preston Pish is is um, curating one of the blogs. Jeff Booth as well. Daniel Prince, myself, nice. Troy Cross, Alex Gladstein. Uh, we have an open source stage with a. We have 160 confirmed speakers now, so it's a full list of uh, full list of, of scheduling. Uh, we have the three workshop areas managed by by the best people that we could partner with. My first Bitcoin is going to be with, here with us, Looking Glass, Amity Age, uh, Ben Ark is going to be managing the the workshop area. Uh, um, sorry, the hardware area with Allen Bits and Maker Bits. Um, BTC Sessions is going to be managing the workshop area. We're going to have a um, gallery, a art gallery. Fractal Linkrypt is managing that. It's looking crazy good with the amount of artists that are going to exhibit there. Uh, we have, we're going to have a, a stage of itself on the book corner. So um, a lot of books, a lot of book authors with us doing talks, doing signings and uh, amazing food court. My dad is well known by the food, so we can, we can do it lighter. So there's be a, a lot of good options uh, of food and drinks all around. Uh, we're going to have a gaming area. We're going to have a kids area, which oh, cool. we were very, very, um, I'm, I'm a father of four. <laughs> and I went to other conferences and I thought it was something that was missing. And, and since the beginning that we also wanted to make it, you know, since we're bringing people from all over the world to Madara, well, let's make it, you know, and Madara is already a very cool touristic destination. Let's make it a, a, a vacation with the family, bring the wives, bring the kids. Uh, so we created this whole kids area where we separated in two different areas, uh, one up to six years old, where you have nannies and activities and so on. And another one with a stage of itself as well, and a small tent uh, where we're going to have workshops and games and talks and many activities. 
uh, Coach Carbon is going to be here with us. Um, Frankie, Josh, Josh from um, Scott and, and Mallory from uh, Shamari. Um, Roger 9000 doing chocolate workshops, and there's be uh, there's going to be table tennis uh, <laughs> uh, tournaments. <laughs> I'm the all and... over that. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be crazy good, and there's um, and this is just the the main venue with three full days of uh, you know crazy good talks and and, and people uh, from all over the world coming together for uh, you know for a, a great networking opportunity, uh, a great time, and uh, and also a great opportunity. That's the goal of Rimadar in the end, a great opportunity to bring the locals. The, the ones that are curious, the ones that are pre-coiners, no-coiners, shit-coiners, whatever you want to call them, uh, to come, listen, and get, you know, get edu educated on how this amazing uh, open-source technology. And um, yeah, this is, this is, for me, one of the, the big, big goals of, of, the, of the conference. Yeah, that's kind of, I was actually going to ask about the locals and, and um, you know, if there's excitement around the community, about Bitcoin Atlantis. I know, you know, there's a lot of FOMO in the Bitcoin community about it. And if you're still thinking about going, you can use promo code signal, by the way, for a little discount. But uh, I was going to ask about the community. If, uh, you know, there's a lot of chatter about it or if they just don't even know what's about to hit them. Um, what's yeah, like I the sentiment on the ground? It's a mix. You know, there's a lot of, um, uh, especially after COVID, a lot of nomads and expats living in Madara. It's a very traditional uh, place for the people come and stay for long periods or even live here. The community has been growing by the day, which is amazing to see. We also started projects, free Madara projects um, related, the sovereign engineering project with Gigi and Pablo. Uh, Gigi and Pablo are living here now and other Bitcoiners came to help the project. And they will do a, a presentation of the of this uh, of this project at, at the conference, at the open source stage, and at the Rise of Atlantis, uh, VC pitch, that is one of the satellite events that is being managed by Martel Fox. Nice. Um, so, and the locals itself, it's, it's been surprising. Not, not only uh, after we went public, there were a lot more Bitcoiners around us than I imagined, <laughs> uh, but the people are chatting a lot about it's it's crazy good because a name like Jack Dorsey, for example, that resonates even for people who are not related to Bitcoin, uh, brings a lot of attention. And we were fortunate to have him and other people around. Um, and people are very curious. And one of the things I'm more curious to see, actually, at the conference uh, is I think a lot of them will be very, very surprised when they when the when the conversation starts inside the conference, because I think a lot of people don't are very far away from understanding uh, what Bitcoin is. Um, and they all, I think some of them will probably go there expecting to see, you know, or to listen to where can I buy and when can I sell and when can I, how can I make money out of it? And they will be very surprised to see that it's all about the technology in the end. And uh, there will probably won't be even, even any talks about the price or, you know, we're getting all rich and getting Lambos. And uh, <laughs> so it's, it's great. I think it's going to be great. Uh, there will be a lot of surprised locals, uh, but I hopefully by the end of it, they'll live with a totally different um, mindset on the yeah. whole thing. Hopefully it'll spark that bottom ups adoption that Samson was talking about. 
Samson, I actually want to talk to you a little bit. Um, you know, in the bear market, one benefit of all bear markets is there seems to be like a separation between Bitcoin and crypto. Um, as you know, people re recognize that, oh, there's actually Bitcoin and then there's the, everything else. And I feel like we've really seen that in the last you know, 18 months or so. Is, have you seen that at the at the you know government level when you're speaking to these legislative bodies and politicians, um, where they're starting to kind of understand that there's Bitcoin, there's everything else? Well, the problem is that everything else also reaches out too. So, mm. <laughs> the and and they they always try to present themselves in the best light possible and say they're the next Bitcoin. So, it, it gets difficult sometimes, but we just have to cut through that. And again. The best tool at our disposal is the ability to say you can mine Bitcoin and tap into your energy because that's a lot of that's something that these other projects can't do. Right. Since, uh, I don't know, like 2017, it's been moving away from the mineable altcoins into the push a button altcoins where they just print it out of thin air like Ripple does. So it's a differentiator now. And I think that's their own fault. Like they just gave up on proof of work. Yeah. As a, even a remotely legitimizing factor. And now it's just blatantly money printing. So we have that going for us where we can just say, you know, Bitcoin is the number one asset. The um, the shift, I think the big shift is the approval of the ETFs because that is a big signal that we can give to the countries and say, well, yeah, you might be, you might not be sure about Bitcoin, but you know, BlackRock, the largest asset manager on the planet now has an ETF. and like there's nine other new ones and they're pulling in you know, billions of dollars right now. So maybe you can think about this Bitcoin thing a little bit, <laughs> but it, you know, it, it helps a lot. The whole environment is kind of poised towards ramping up Bitcoin adoption. And I think we'll see a lot more of that in 2024. Yeah. I think last year I, I wrote a piece that was like 10 reasons to be bullish heading into 2023. And one of them was, the fact that ETH moved to proof of stake. Like I thought that was one of the most bullish developments um, of the year. Uh, and so Bitcoin's now the only like major proof of work network. Um, and that's extremely bullish for the long-term, uh, you know, value proposition in my opinion. Um, but you brought up the ETF. So let's just get into it because you were extremely bullish right now, right? You, you think that we're, we're headed into six digits. Um, you know, that's an imminent, Around the corner from these ETFs, uh, you're kind of tweeting about how this is a huge deal. So you said one million Bitcoin, Omega candles. Uh, let's get your thoughts around that. You know, right now people are a little disappointed, I think, of, of the short-term price action after these ETFs. Uh, maybe they expected this to just go blast up right away. But um, you think that you know these GBTC outflows and that that's all a distraction, right? So maybe let's summarize your views and, and for the listeners. Well, you kind of put it in a, a summary already. So the problem, I think, is that we were encumbered by people trading GPTC for profit. And we don't know their motivations or how many of them there are, but it definitely feels like it's running out. So because the, of all the things SEC did, we didn't have approvals until now. And then you have Bitcoin locked into GBDC because they couldn't convert it to an ETF prior to the approval recently. So what happened was it was trading at a discount. So you have people trying to come in and ARP that trade uh, with the assumption that it will be converted. So you have a lot of capital that went into GPTC with the intention of just cashing out in fiat, not necessarily because they want um, a Bitcoin ETF or they want Bitcoin. 
So that had to get flushed out and converted. And also because GPTC has super high fees, people are also exiting if they can exit too. And I, I ran a calculation. I think uh, if you're moving from GPTC at 1.5% into, um, I don't know, um, uh, pick one, Bitwise at 0.2, uh, or even one of the ones at 0.25, you'll, you'll basically take a tax hit when you cash out of GPTC but you'll recover in about 12 years time. So if your plan is to hold anywhere longer than 12 years, it makes sense to, to take that tax hit and move because you'll benefit in the long run. So I think some of the, the flushing out of um, GPTC holdings in AUM is people that have done that same calculation and figured it out as well. So we have to kind of discount that because when you're looking at markets and you're looking at macro analysis, you have to disregard the noise. And GPTC is largely noise. It's, it's a in the words of someone I know, not my words, it is a cursed product from a cursed company. So you have to kind of get rid of that curse first before we get to see the real action. But if you can see past the noise, then the signal is there. And the signal is you have a massive amount of accumulation on all the new nine. Um, GB, uh, uh, IBIT and uh, Fidelity FBTC, they're raking in about 200 to 175 million per day on average on every trading day. And if you calculate that in BTC terms, that's about roughly almost 9,000 coins and we're producing 900 a day. So mm. you can see that it's not sustainable and there is going to be a supply crunch because you have this massive amount of demand. But I think people don't see that because they're not seeing the price go up immediately. But, you know, Bitcoin seems to surprise a lot of people. It moves very quickly and it does go up very quickly too. In the past, we've seen 20x in nine months. And I think with this new source of demand, you can easily 20x in weeks. So 20x from these price levels in weeks, you know, what kind of price levels are we thinking at? Like if you, if you had to like put a number on that. Well, 20x from, you know, we're basically almost at 50K. So 20x, 50K is a million right right and if we get to 100k which i think is very possible then it's just 10x to 1 million so these movements are just normal bitcoin doing business so it's not crazy that we can see omega candles of 100k and we can see bitcoin go up to 1m that would be wild. That would be extremely wild. I mean, like when you look at the amount of coins available on exchanges, I, I do understand where you're coming from you know, in terms of this like multiplier effect and that there's just not that much Bitcoin available, like straight up. And you have all these major firms now having to buy Bitcoin uh, to keep their ETF products at NAV. And yeah, it's just like one part of the market too, but it's now a, a major factor of demand that's now yeah. entered the market, right? And, uh, you know, Andre, I was curious, you know, ETFs have like dominated the conversation in the United States. Is there a lot of chatter around where you are around these new products? And then maybe just get your thoughts overall on them. Uh, do you think um, I know, they're nonsense? I think it, like, what, what's your thoughts around them? No, no, I think uh, I think it was inevitable. Uh, it was, you know, it was to come for a long time. Um, Samson is right. It, it does. Um, I don't know. Uh, what's the word? Um, Melt faces. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was more like institutions now look at it uh, differently. Um, but, you know, personally, and for Fimadara, I really, 
not my not my thing um even the 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 price of bitcoin one thing i've learned for the last three years is not to expect anything out of the price of bitcoin it always surprises you when it goes down when it goes up i don't i don't know i don't care uh, i'm here for the long term and on the long term i'm very very bullish um i think it's way it's gonna weigh it's gonna go way way above the numbers uh, the, even the numbers that someone is something is saying um you know we just don't know don't know the, the the exact time frame but you know in the end i think the the most chatter that i've been listening to around me are actually the people who are not bitcoiners yeah you know some friends that i have that still do you know still deal with altcoins and or don't or are just trying to see if they make an investment in bitcoin they were all oh my god the ftfs are coming so it's going to blow up and i'm going to make a lot of money but in the end this is the fiat mind right they are you know thinking about the dollar value um of bitcoin in the short term so you know for me it's indifferent honestly yeah i mean like it's it's we usually don't talk about price that much at swan in general because we we would rather focus on the technology i mean it took us a long time to even put up a price uh you know chart on our website because <laughs> we didn't want people to think about the price so much um and Samson, you just tweeted something where you're like, you know, looking at all these different indicators that are really close to all-time highs or that just trending upwards. Like I, it's up on the screen now with the hash rates near all-time highs, you know, that to GDP ratios. Um, what were you kind of meaning by this tweet? Uh, I'd be curious and then break down some of the, the, the things that you listed here. Yeah, so I was chatting with somebody or someone commented on my post and he's saying, you know, what are the, I said, I think I said, all indicators are pointing in very in a very bullish direction, and he asked what indicators. So I just broke it down for him and wrote down all those different things. But this is really what I look at when I'm trying to figure out where Bitcoin is going, and all of those things are going up. Hash rate is going through the roof, and I think you guys are contributing to some of that, right? With yeah, you, yeah, Swan mining. Swan mining, right? So it's your fault too. But um, <laughs> you know, the 200 week moving average, people kind of forget that, but it is it takes like a 10 sigma event to break the 200 week moving average right it's very uncommon that we dip below that and that's trending upwards steadily i think it's at 30 something now but you have some crypto analysts saying well we're going to go to 20k but that's far below 200 week moving average so it would take some massive scandal ftx level times three to push us down there and i don't think it's possible at this point um like Basically, every indicator is signaling that people need to move out of fiat into Bitcoin, right? Like the um, the debt GDP ratios that's going up, um, the money printing is going up, the money supply is increasing. All of this stuff is increasing at the same time that Bitcoin is becoming more robust, more resilient, and we're getting the halving in less than three months now. So yeah. it, it, it's setting up for a very bullish takeoff of Bitcoin. And I think this is what's going to trigger that Omega candle that I've been talking about. But you, you've also been doing a lot of analysis as well. Um, I yeah. think you posted about the ETF. So I'm here curious to hear what you think. Well, I think they're a big deal. I think they're just going to take time for, you know, the people who they're really meant for, I guess, or like the financial advisors, uh, pension funds, endowments, some of these big institutional investors. It's going to take time for them to even wrap their heads around Bitcoin. But now you have these large financial firms who are, you know, inadvertently, I would say advertising for Bitcoin itself, but they're just trying to make money off their ETF products. But it's just going to get more and more of these people who manage trillions and trillions of dollars uh, more knowledgeable about Bitcoin. And then I just think about that graph 
where the more knowledgeable you become, the greater percent of your net worth you put into Bitcoin. And so I think that's going to happen on a, on a different level than we've seen in previous cycles. And these ETFs are just this new top of funnel. So I, I do think they're a really big deal long term. I think short term, we're just seeing a lot of volatility. I think already you had you know, spot market depth pretty low after the FTX collapse and all the contagion. Uh, there just isn't that much Bitcoin. So you should expect a lot of volatility, especially if more demand comes up. And that's going to probably go both ways. Um, but over the long term, that trend is clear. And I think it's going to be a big wave. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about, that's just my thoughts on the ETF. I just think they're really bullish. But of course, like real spot Bitcoin, I think, you know, as a community, we have to like get people to understand why Bitcoin itself is important to hold and why there's different trade-offs for an ETF, like giving up, you know, your sovereignty and having somebody else hold the Bitcoin for you. Like we can go through it again. There's no fees with holdings about Bitcoin, yada, yada, yada. Um, and building tools as a community, like, you know, AquaWallet is one perfect example, like tools where um, people can easily self-custody, um, make it more functional, make it better UX, UI. I think that's really important. Um, yeah, well, I think ETFs go after a different market. I'm sure right. there are some some high net worth Bitcoiners that are possibly divesting into it so they can leverage in the TradFi system because now you can borrow against it easily, right? If it's a ETF 100%. product. Um, I think it's also for estate planning because if it's sitting in the ETF, then you know it's easier to, it's minimizing some risk of a uh, single point of failure if something happens to get hit by a bust or whatever. So. Possibly we're seeing that kind of diversification happen with Bitcoiners, but by and large, the ETFs are marketed towards you know, boomers, um, pension funds, institutions, even other companies to hold. And I think that has yet to really hit the market. Once we see the pension fund money trickling into the ETFs and they take time to decide, right? But that, that simple act of pensions buying Bitcoin is going to trigger this massive supply shock and demand surge and it's going to happen very rapidly because there there there's this sort of a weird thing maybe you can call it, the, it maybe it is the Veblen effect but as the, the thing becomes more valuable the more people want it but you know it's gonna it, the pension funds coming in is going to drive the price up and that's going to signal to other pension funds so I don't know if it's a Veblen signal or what but uh, there's got to be some new terminology that we create here but as the Bitcoin price goes up more and more people are going to start looking at this and then you have this sort of threshold at which we cross gold market cap which indicates to the world that this is the new gold and I've called that the Veblen threshold but that's sort of an anchoring point at which you know you don't want gold anymore. This is gold and you need gold. And that puts us on the same footing as the demand for gold for nation states, because you know their, their treasuries are still accumulating gold. A lot of uh, countries like China are rapidly trying to get gold and buy a lot of gold. So now they need to look at Bitcoin. Yeah, uh, central bank uh, purchasing of gold is hitting records like for the last couple of years, every year. And uh, I just saw something about China, actually, where, where um, you know, their stock market's in trouble right now. It's been crashing. The real estate prices have been crashing. And they're actually turning to, to gold and even, you know, Bitcoin. Um, there's more demand and peer-to-peer -peer trading happening uh, compared to previous years. It's a huge jump up in trading volume in Bitcoin, uh, just peer-to-peer -peer transaction volume, uh, which yeah. is really interesting because they're, like, turning to hard money alternatives as you know, their traditional stores of value, which is stocks and real estate are collapsing on them. Yeah.
but the the best indicator for China is really to look at Hong Kong, and you're seeing like three, maybe four now, uh, spot ETFs being produced and going to market soon, and that essentially is allowing mainland Chinese money to access Bitcoin in a yeah. legitimate institutional product. So the the tides are really turning, and Bitcoin is becoming that reserve asset of the world. So the question is when it happens. And I think when that happens, it's going to be explosive. It's not going to be this slow, gradual plodding trek upwards. It's going to happen as a step function where we just go up very rapidly to 100. And then from 100, you go up very rapidly again to 500 and so on. Well, I think the animal spirits take over too when you cross those like psychological levels like 100,000 I think it's going to get kind of stupid in terms of the mainstream media coverage and yeah it's going to be um, everywhere right I just watched the um GameStop documentary on Netflix like a couple of days ago because mm -hmm. it was like the anniversary and I never really got into that but it's funny like looking at what happened there and the fact that you could stop trading and crush the whole movement that just can't happen with bitcoin there can be no removal yeah. of the buy button so <laughs> and there's no one to call up and blame because it's decentralized. So it just, I think you can just see what happens. Imagine GameStop without the removal of the buy button and without any funny business from um, Robinhood or, or Citadel. Yeah, because they just halted happen? trading, right? They just halted trading at GameStop. Um, yeah. Robinhood just removed the buy button. Yeah, <laughs> Corey, if you're listening, you better not remove the buy button on Solva, or else we're going to come after you. Well, there's no Solva, and so yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I wanted to touch. You know, one of the one of the metrics that you had on that tweet. I don't know, if Jacob, you could throw that back up real quick. Um, is Tether USDT AUM? Now they just had an announcement today. I mean, Tether's just like it, they brought in like six billion dollars in profits in yeah. 2023 which is absurd like it's it puts it in like you know top 200 profitable countries in the world or something like that you know companies it's just wild um but one of the things like you can't really argue is that stablecoin adoption is huge across the world um and i'm wondering andre like is, is stablecoins popular in madeira at all and do you see it as like you know, people no, not, not as much, not, not as much as and, and yeah. Samson was is way more knowledgeable about this than me. Um, I think there are uh, a lot in demand in, in the more. I don't like the word, but underdeveloped countries like Venezuela and Argentina and so on and Africa, gotcha. all of Africa, because the dollar is very, very appreciated over there, of course, because even with all the troubles, it's much more stable stable than their own uh, you know uh, shitty coins fiat coins that they have there <laughs> just um <laughs> we are we have for example the, the 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 country that i have more relationships with is venezuela because we have a large uh, modern community there mm. and i am collecting bills actually charlie that works for Fimadar has been giving me <laughs> Like These hyperinflated little pieces bills. of paper that don't—it's worth nothing. Boulevard. <laughs> Literally, actually, we're we're doing a funny thing for the conference with the bills. Uh, hey, I and, saw uh, I saw in Venezuela they're making like bags out of uh, the Bolivar, right? That's uh, utility. You should, you should make you should contract them to make swag bags I for the <laughs> out of the no, we this is an idea for for a, just for a gift for the attendees uh i can i can say it actually it's gonna be cool um but i asked charlie because he's from venezuela and actually uh, charlie has a a great story of its own he's the, he's the first official hire of uh is a venezuelan 
and he escaped Venezuela with Bitcoin in his head with his mother, which is really fantastic. Yeah, it's amazing to see. And this is exactly the stories that these privileged people in Europe need to understand that they don't. They really, really don't. You know, it's uh, most people are like, oh, well, why do you need that? We have, uh, you know, MB Way, which is a local payment provider, whatever. Uh, they don't really understand uh, the, the use cases. The, you know, they don't. But um, stable coins are not as used here, of course, as, is, as in those other countries, because we have the euro and it's considered uh, more stable and, and not necessary, I guess, to flee to the dollar as, as other countries have that need. Um, and I think it's also mixed, and, and Samson knows it, of course, it's also mixed with the volatility of Bitcoin, that for people who, don't, who are not able to use Bitcoin um, as, a, um, as a reserve, they, they want to use it for their daily, day-to-day uh, you know, life needs, right? Um, I think dollar or a stable coin is, is very, very helpful, of course, in their case um so we don't we don't see it a lot here uh, okay. here is more for the reserves and the savings and so on so far but i would like to say that i think that the great i i own several businesses and uh, so i have a lot of relations with with government and tax authorities and then you know and banks and 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 so and so forth but today uh for the first time in my life i funded the new company with bitcoin only on a Bitcoin really? standard. And I can tell you that I was, I'm not a very technical guy, but I think Bitcoin is developing so well that it's actually now very easy to use. Not not that hard to use. We funded the company, uh, we sat down together, we opened up a new multi-sig wallet, uh, we created all the files, we funded the company, we made our, our first payment. Um, no paperwork, no one to, to you know, tell us uh, where did this money come from, who are you paying? And, and immediately when you, when you realize this, I, I, was leaving my, I was leaving the place and thinking, Jesus Christ, when you look at the mess that the fiat system and the banking system makes you do to create a new company or to send a, a payment to the other side of the world that, you know, someone in a branch in the mainland needs to sign and and ask you where this money is coming to. They are so, <laughs> sorry, I was going to say a swear word. They are, they are completely <laughs> <laughs> trashed, man. It's not going to, it's it's so much better that it will eventually, um, you know, it's the, the world, basically. Mm. That is that? So, that is awesome. I, like, I, I love hearing that about the creation of businesses and how Bitcoin makes that easier. That makes me extremely bullish. Yes. I think I think Alex Epstein, he's an energy expert, was just on the show and he was talking about what's held nuclear energy back. And he's like, it's just straight up red tape, regulations, paperwork. Like it just yep. makes it so difficult to start businesses. And um, that's just such a bullish story that you just told for me in my mind. That's so cool. This um, Alex Epstein, right? That's yes. that, that Alex Epstein, yes. <laughs> yes. He's a good he's a good guy. He was just yeah. on the show. Um well I think that might be a good place to stop. I I, uh, I really enjoyed this conversation with you guys both. I'll leave you guys with some closing comments. Um, you know, check out Bitcoin Atlantis is one thing I would just say. You know, go to bitcoinatlantis.com. Uh, if you're interested in going, I think it's going to be a great event, and we'll all three of us will be there. So 
you want to say hi to us in person. But uh, I'll throw it to Samson. Let let people know where to find you guys. And also, if you just have any closing comments about what we talked about today, uh, feel free to just throw it out there. Sure, I'm on Twitter, uh, Noster Excelion. And if you're interested in Jan three and nation state adoption, you can search us at Jan three com, and our website is Jan three dot com. Uh, Aqua Wallet, uh, we just launched that Jan third this year, and it's a Bitcoin stablecoin wallet, and Layer 2 wallet, and you can learn more at at Aqua Bitcoin on Twitter or aquawallet.io online. And I guess um, from Madeira's conference, Bitcoin Atlantis, Andre, I'm writing a children's book called There's No Second Best. It's like, what's the best best dessert? Ice cream. There is no second best. What's the best playtime outside? It's at the park. There's no second best playtime. And then, of course, it ends with, you know, what's the best, uh, second best crypto asset? There is no second best. So I think you can ask Sailor if he wants to read that at the kid stage. To all oh, the kids. we should. Yeah, we should. I'm just kidding. There's no book. Perfect. But if he, if he wants to do it, I'll write it. We're going to get somebody illustrating that. Oh, yeah. Andre, where can people find you, man? Uh, well, I'm I, I use I'm not very good on PsyOps, so I just use my name everywhere. <laughs> I'm uh, at Andre Loja on Twitter, uh, but of course, you know, the, you can find the at freemadera.org, which is the Twitter of the organization, and at Bitcoin Atlantis for the conference. Uh, if you're interested to know more of the conference and all the satellite events, the speakers and whatnot, just go to bitcoinatlantis.com and you'll get all the information there. Subscribe to the newsletter. I think that it's the most important. We send regular updates and we would love to have you here. I think it's going to be a great week in Madero. Could agree more. Well, thanks for joining the show, guys. Uh, fascinating conversation. Thanks for uh, you know pushing Bitcoin adoption um, from the grassroots level, bottom up. I think you guys are on the right track and uh, we're grateful that you're educating these people on Bitcoin and pushing it to adoption. So thanks for joining. Appreciate you guys. And I'll see you, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Thanks, Thank you. See, see you soon. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I hope you guys enjoyed that show. I mean, I, I just find it fascinating uh, to, to be in those positions uh, like these guys are where they're actually speaking to people in power um, at the government level and and really pushing the you know orange pill on them and getting them to understand not just you know how this can be an investment but also a technology that could bring jobs uh, to the to the country as well as um, improve their standing on the global stage you know I spoke with somebody from El Salvador and they were like one of the biggest uh, factors of us adopting Bitcoin is just our image has completely changed. Um, in the global community. It went from a, one where it was focused on our crime to one that we are embracing new technologies. And that in itself is a huge step forward for their country. And I think anybody who uh, embraces Bitcoin will see similar benefits. So I hope you guys enjoyed that show. Um, check out Bitcoin Atlantis. I, again, you can use the code SIGNAL uh, for 10% off tickets if you're interested in making the trip. I'll be there. So, you, so if you're going to be there, uh, make sure you come and say hello. Um, and then Pacific Bitcoin, uh, that's the other festival that I'm really excited about, of course, uh, brought to you by Swan. And uh, that is happening in next October. And so go check it out. You can use the promo code SIGNAL to get 10% off. And if you pay with Bitcoin, you can get 21% off right here. It's another excellent uh, list of speakers. And it's it's seriously one of the best times uh, in terms of Bitcoin conferences. I mean, everyone's just in such a great mood. It's a, it's a smaller, good size event where you can actually speak to some of these people that you might look up to, some of these thought leaders, you can have one-on-one conversations with them, which I think is unique. 
Uh, so go check out Pacific Bitcoin if you're interested. And thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, please follow this channel if you haven't already. That helps us uh, just kind of uh, expand our reach and reach more people and teach them about Bitcoin. Like, comment, let me know what you think. And we got another excellent episode in line next week with uh, the prescient and also very intelligent Turdemeester. So I'm very excited for that one. So check it out next week and I will see you then. I am out.